Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Andrew Womack. Hello and welcome to our Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. Man, we are excited to have you with us. And I'm here with my three compadres. I guess we're the four musketeers yeah. or whatever. But anyway, we started our very first Truth and Liberty Live call-in show yesterday. And I tell you, it was powerful. It was anointed. It was. It was good. It really was. And we had a lot of people respond. We've gotten a lot of good feedback. We had a lot of people watching. Yesterday, primarily what I did was spend the time introducing our co-host here and giving you the format. On Monday, uh, Pastor Mark Cowart is going to be hosting this on a regular basis. And then on Tuesday will be Alex McFarlane. I have Wednesday. Uh, Richard has Thursday. And then on Friday, we'll be rotating so that each one of us will have two days in one week. And we'll rotate that Friday one. And the format is that basically for the first 25, 28 minutes until we take a break, uh, we just share things, current events or things from Scripture. I've got something special I want to share today. And we'll do that during the first segment. We'll take a break and then we will start taking phone calls for about an hour. Yesterday we spent two segments introducing everybody and talking about what it was going to be like. But today we'll just spend that first segment doing some introductory things and somewhere around the uh, four o'clock time frame uh, here in Colorado, we will start taking calls. And so the number is on the screen, uh, 719-63. Is that the same number as my normal one? No. Nope. 719-619-2341. So this is a special number. They've got that on the screen and we'll start taking those calls in about 25 or 30 minutes. So what I want to do, and I want to get everybody involved in this, I, this is a brand new little booklet that I wrote entitled, What is Truth? It's 40 pages and it's just something I wrote over a weekend. I actually preached on this subject at Pastor Mark's church. When was that? A year and something That was ago? January last year. And uh, that was on our anniversary time yeah. that we did. And this is taken from Pilate, you know, when Jesus was standing before him and he said, I came to bear witness of the truth. And Pilate said, what is truth? Mm -hmm. And the truth is Pilate knew more truth than what he was acting on. His wife had told him that this is a just man. Don't have anything to do with this man. And he had more truth than what he was acting on. And uh, anyway, from this, I've just, uh, it's a little booklet that I put together. I'm going to offer this as a free gift to anybody who wants to call. So if you'll call that number, 719-619-2341 and ask for this, this is a free gift. We would also like to just get comments about whether you're receiving from this program and how it's going. But uh, this will be an incentive for you to call and let us know. So again, this is a little booklet. And, I, and this is really the reason that we have this Truth and Liberty livecast is because there is a, a famine of truth. Mm. And we all know that the news media, they've gotten to where it is, it's propaganda. There's very little truth in the news media. We're finding out that this whole COVID thing, they now say that the masks were totally ineffective and in some ways even made things worse. Uh, I think it was you that quoted that uh, some medical person said that uh, 
wearing a mask is like putting up a chain link fence to keep the mosquitoes out. Yeah. That's yeah. no good. <laughs> We've been lied to about where the virus came from. We were being lied to about the border. They're saying the borders are secure and everything. And there's just so much misinformation and so much lies that we need something Amen. speaking the truth. And so that is the reason that we're having this. So, that, so people that are based in the Word of God will be able to comment on current events as well as scriptural things and just discuss what is truth. There is a famine for it in our land today. Amen. You guys agree? You got anything Amen. to add to that? Well, I wish every politician in Washington, D.C. had a copy of this. Uh, well, they I mean, do. It's called a Bible. Yeah. And none of them read it. Well, that's true. And not only, but in the church, it shocks me as a pastor how many believers struggle with telling the truth. I forgot, maybe you remember, Brother Alex, what George Barna, but they did a survey and believers were asked about lying. Mm -hmm. And I forgot the percentage. And then they said, well, isn't that why Jesus died on the cross? Oh, yeah. I mean, our, I say that again. Lying is why he died on the cross. They, they asked, there was a certain percent of Christians that lied regularly. Oh, and the reason he died was so that you could lie well, and they be said, forgiven. That's why right. he died on the cross. Oh, I can man. get forgiven. For yeah. You, you know, Andrew, truth is so important. And, you know, in biblical worldview here at Karis Bible College and apologetics, we talk about the definition of truth, I mean, it's Jesus. He's truth incarnate, John 14, 6. He said he is the truth, which is true. <laughs> but you could say truth is, is what corresponds to reality, you know. Right. Uh, and we're living in a time, though, where people believe they make their own truth. Uh, yeah. You have what is your truth, quote unquote. Somebody else makes up their truth. But that's not how the, the world works. I mean, truth is not anything we dream up out of thin air. It's what God has revealed. Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. This is truth. And if a person says, well, I know that the Bible says that, but you know, that's not my truth. That's your truth. Well, then what you have just done is make yourself God because you believe that you can decide what is truth for yourself. Mm -hmm. that, that's idolatry. Mm -hmm. People are putting themselves in the position of God, and that's not true. Well, you know, a while back I did a study, and I got off on Joseph Goebel, one of Hitler's guys, mm -hmm. and he was, the, he was the one that said, if you repeat a lie loud enough and long enough, that eventually the people will believe it. Then true. he said, eventually you'll believe it. But when you study, lying is a very dangerous thing to do. And he also said, eventually you'll begin That's to right. believe it. And then I found some quotes I never had found. He said, there are days I'm afraid to get up out of bed. I have no hope. And he says he battled depression. And so Hitler committed suicide. And I think it was the day after he and his wife poisoned their six children. And then they both committed suicide. If you stray from the truth, you're straying into Satan's territory. Absolutely. You know, yeah, absolutely. Jesus said, Satan is the father of lies. Yeah. And so anytime you start heading out of truth, you're heading toward darkness. But for people that make a habit, it's a very dangerous thing because they'll start believing those lies themselves. I just yeah. happened to have my Bible open to that very passage. 
and I don't want to preach on this for 20 minutes, but let me just quickly summarize it. It said, as he spoke, many believed on him. And then said he to those who believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. He was speaking that to people who believed on him. And they took offense and they said, we're Abraham. See, we've never been in They were conquered by the Romans. They were defeated and yet they were deceived thinking they were free. There's people today thinking they're free. But if you can't tell the truth, if you're afraid to tell the truth, you're afraid, afraid to face the music because it may not work to your advantage, you are a slave. Mm. And he goes on and they, he just keeps telling them and they say they took offense. And finally he said this, you quoted this in verse 44. He says, you are of your father, the devil. He was speaking to people who believed on him. These weren't the scribes and Pharisees. You are of your father, the devil. And uh, he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. So every time that a person lies, you are, you have just had that lie fathered by the devil. Mm -hmm. You've had intercourse with the devil. That may be offensive to somebody, but it needs to be offensive. Wow. That anytime you speak a lie or if you uh, accept a lie, you are having fellowship with the devil. He's the father of all lies. And I tell you, we got so many lies going forth. That's why we need some kind of a program that is based on truth. Amen. Amen. You know, you mentioned John 18:35, where Pilate said, what is truth? And he, here Pilate is standing right in front of the one that is truth <laughs> well, yeah. incarnate. Now, Jesus says something amazing. And by the way, it's something none of us could say. Jesus says, for this cause, I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. Mm -hmm. Now, none of us could say that we chose to come into the world. I mean, our, our parents had us and here we are. But Jesus, who was prior to Amen. the world, came into the world. And then think about this, and I'd love y'all's response, but Jesus said, everyone that is of the truth will hear my voice. Mm -hmm. So That's on the powerful. flip side, if somebody won't hear Jesus's voice, they must not be of the truth. Well, you know, I was thinking when you quoted Pilate the first time, Andrew, the thought that came to my mind was Pilate doesn't like the truth. That's why he's questioning whether truth exists. And I think today people all over the place, I have my truth, you have your truth. You have to respect my truth. I think this is all because people don't want to face the truth. Just like it says when Jesus is the light of the world, the light came into the world. Men, men did not love the light. They loved the darkness because their deeds were evil. I just happened to have my Bible open to that oh, verse. So there you go. So this is John chapter 3 and in verse uh, 19, Jesus said, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil, I think that in the context of what we're talking about, everyone who is lying, misrepresenting things, coming up with homosexuality is fine, transgenderism is good, it's fine to do surgery on, on minors mm. and help them transgender. Anybody who's saying stuff like that, they do evil, they hate the light because their deeds are evil, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. So what we see happening today, people want to disbelieve yes. the biblical standards because they don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to believe that someday we're going to stand before God and you're going to be held accountable for destroying an entire generation with this perversion and the way that they have promoted stuff and people don't want to believe it. So they fight against it.
Doesn't Paul predict this? He says that uh, perilous times will come in all these, these verses where he says they, they'll heap up unto themselves teachers having itching yeah. ears and, and that sort of thing. So. But at the same time, there's people that have taken those same verses, Richard, and they say, so therefore it's just going to happen. There's nothing oh, yeah. we can do. No. And so just roll with the punches. You know, we had David Barton on our Truth and Liberty broadcast, and we were talking about the uh, uh, fraud that was going on in voting, and we were talking about how do you deal with it, and we brought up the thing, well, then what's the point of voting? And David Barton, I thought it was just excellent. He said, it doesn't matter if they stole my vote and if it never counted, I am going to give an answer to God whether or not I stood up and voted. And he says, what people do with my vote and stuff is not an excuse for me not to do the right thing. Right. So it's the same thing on these moral issues. Somebody might say, well, it's just been prophesied. What can we do about it? Yeah. Well, the devil may uh, win some of these battles, but I'm not going to help him and I'm not going to be silent. Yeah. Yeah. And just like they say at a wedding, you know, you say, speak now or forever hold your peace. And if we don't speak up, then what we are doing is saying, all right, we approve. Mm -hmm. We have to stand up and show our disapproval and yet do it in love for the individual, but total uh, condemnation of the evil. Yeah. The Lord never promised that everybody would respond to the truth. He just calls us to speak it forth. And uh, it's like the watchman on the wall, right? Yep. If you don't speak what I've told you to speak, then their blood is on your hands. Mm -hmm. So it is definitely our duty to speak up. John Quincy Adams says, duty is ours and results are God's. That's a good one. Amen. Good. That's Amen. awesome. So that's what we're doing. And that's the reason that we have this Truth and Liberty uh, live call-in show is we're going to be speaking forth not only scriptural things, but Mark was making the point yesterday that abortion is a matter of life and death. It's not a political issue. Mm -hmm. It's what the Word of God teaches. And man, we are the ones that have the truth. And again, I am not saying that I am the source of the truth, but I am saying that God's Word is truth. That's what Amen. Jesus said. And the unbelievers, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, do not have the truth. No. I'm not against them personally, but I am 100% against the ungodliness that they're trying to cram down people's throats. And they don't have the truth. And they are totally wrong in the things that they're promoting. We are the ones with the revelation of the truth, and Christians need to start standing up and speaking the truth. You, Andrew, you know what's an amazing verse? It's Proverbs 29, 27, I believe. <laughs> uh, the last verse in Proverbs 29. They, they talk about America being a divided nation. Proverbs 29, 27 says, to the unjust, the righteous man is an abomination. And to the righteous man, the unjust man is an abomination. And I mean, that's, that's like, it, it all boils down to have we received, yes, the truth of God's revelation, but I would say, you know, in the spirit of Romans 2, 14 and 15, that it's written on every heart. I want to say the most vocal pro-abortionist deep in their soul knows it's Absolutely. wrong. Mm. The, the most fervent gay activist, Absolutely. transgender proponent, what have you, deep in our heart, we know right from wrong. I, I've often said this, that the, the right thing to do is rarely a mystery. Mm. And so the Bible says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. I just happened to have my Bible open to that scripture. <laughs> Amen. We're on the same page here. It says in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, not some, 
but all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, not to them. There's an intuitive knowledge on the inside of everyone for God hath revealed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, not vaguely seen, they're clearly seen, mm -hmm. being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Mm -hmm. So Alex, what you're talking about, everybody on a heart level knows things are right and wrong. People know yeah. that to teach a four-year-old to have a drag queen come in and perform uh, something that resembles sexual acts in front of four and five and six years old, they know in their heart that's right. wrong. Yeah. But you were saying that once you give in to a lie and accept it, you, you become insensitive over a period of time. You begin to believe the lies. Hardens your heart. And so you, you'll harden your heart. It's like a callus. The very first time you do something, it may tear your skin on, but after a while, you can become so callous that, man, uh, I used to play a guitar all the time, and my fingers, you couldn't prick them to get a blood sample. It would break a, a pen mm. and stuff because they were so calloused. And you don't start that way. Nobody does. But over a period of time, people have become reprobate and stuff. But in the truth, in the heart, they know the truth. And when you speak the truth, there's something inside of them that bears witness when you speak the truth. And the, the scripture warns about, you know, it talks about men having their conscience seared with a hot iron. It was a story the preacher told when the preachers used to stay with somebody. My grandparents used to have an old percolator coffee thing, and they would turn that gas stove on, and the coffee would just be percolating and percolating. And there was this one old farmer, he'd pour that hot, hot coffee in a ceramic mug, still be boiling, and put it to his lips and turn it back, and drink a good portion of that cup. And this one preacher said, he said, man, I saw that. He said, I screamed when I saw him do it. <laughs> but he said, that's when the Lord spoke to him. He didn't start doing that overnight. That's Over right. time, right. Uh, it's like hot food. You know, some people that like hot food that, you know, but I burned my tongue with hot, hot coffee. And uh, after a while, the, the feeling comes back. But people that constantly lie are acting and searing their conscience. And that is very dangerous territory mm -hmm. to be in. Wow. And the sad fact is a lot of people today don't know what the truth is because for the average person, it's relative to the situation. And it depends on whether or not you're going to get caught or something like that. But truth is truth. And it doesn't matter what our society is saying. This is the standard of truth right here. Let me just once again say that I'm giving this little booklet away entitled, What is Truth? to anybody who would like to call and request it, call 719 619 2341 and just say that you'd like to request this little booklet on what is truth. And during the break that's coming up in less than 10 minutes, we'll also be advertising our biblical worldview, which Alex is the one who kind of heads and drives our biblical worldview from Karis Bible College. And we're offering our brand new uh, series on that that comes out Friday, I Friday, guess. March 10. And it's that's the one on racism? Yes, a biblical worldview response to racism. And we're offering that for th uh, a third off, $40 off. It's normally $120, and that's going to be a great thing. So we're offering the biblical worldview, and then this is a freebie. Uh, please call 719-619-2341, and you can get that. Amen. Amen. You guys got anything to say? I think well, amen. That, that verse out of Romans, Andrew, that says they suppress the truth 
in unrighteousness is making me think of all the censorship that's going on today. That's true. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just reading uh, an article in Imprimis about the Twitter files and all of the suppression of the truth that they've engaged in, everything from deplatforming Donald Trump to the Hunter Biden laptop and everything else, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Last night, they, uh, Tucker Carlson had a special on I about the January 6th. I saw it. It's a, it's They scary. have flat lied to us about that. Of course, I didn't believe what they were saying in the first place, right. but now we have evidence to the contrary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to what you were saying, Richard, when a person is suppressing the truth, some people think, well, that's political. You're getting, no, this is again, you are coming against the truth. And anything that is against the truth, whether it's biblical truth or whatever truth it is, that's ungodly and it originates from the devil and we need to oppose those things. We need to resist the devil. You know, Charles Finney tied all of the problems we're dealing with today back to the pulpit. Yep. And again, here's to borrow from my brother here, if there's one string on my banjo that I like <laughs> to hit, it's, it's pastors are the key. Mm -hmm. The yeah. pulpit is the most powerful medium and media in the country because God watches over His Word to perform it and He chose the foolishness of preaching to confound the wise and what have you. But one of the things is we've got to get back to the Word and the body of Christ. There's mm -hmm. too much motivational speaking. And we use the Bible kind of like we use a quotations book. Yeah. Well, I'll pull this quotation to support my message. We need to preach the Word. Amen. It's the entrance of Thy Word, O Lord, that giveth light. And in Thy light we see light. And when you take the Word of God out, the darkness is going to start setting in. So the key, you know, when I say this at CFAN a lot, I say, you know, we... CFAN stands for? Church for All Nations. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I say we can't say, oh, it's those liberals, it's those Democrats, it's those rhinos. It's the church, the body of Christ. The Lord said, let our light shine. So that's why I appreciate you, Andrew. There's very few guys in your, I call it rare air of ministry that speak the truth like you do. They're worried well, about the... you can't be apologetic. Yes. You know, there's, there was a hockey player recently, I've mentioned this a couple of times, but he would not uh, wear the homosexual colors on his uniform and because of it they wouldn't let him play. But he came out <clears throat> and said, he said, now I respect you and I respect your decision to be a homosexual and that's fine for you, but this is not what God has spoken to me. And people applauded him for that and I do to a degree. I give him a half applause. Qualified. But <laughs> soft. in the process of saying that, he was saying that homosexuality is okay for you, but you need to respect me. It's not okay for you. And somebody needs to not just say, well, now you're entitled to your opinion. Like you can go commit adultery and that's fine for you, but I'm not going to commit adultery. No, you can't approach it that way. You know, I'm writing a thing and I, I'm writing about revelations that God gave me. And I went all the way back to when I was eight years old. And the thing that got my spiritual life started, I heard a sermon on our, in our Baptist church about a tour of hell. Mm -hmm. And he was preaching on hell. And he started saying that not good people don't go to heaven and bad people don't go to hell. But forgiven people go to heaven, whether they're good or bad. And people that didn't accept forgiveness go to hell. And he started naming names. He named names of people that I knew as an eight-year-old. And he said, these people split hell wide open. Wow. Now, if he would have just made this generic, mm. right, it right. might not have had the impact on me. But he said, these people 
went to hell because they refused the salvation that came through Jesus, and yet the world embraced them as great people. Boy, that shook me to my core. And when I got home, I asked my dad, and my dad explained it to me, and I got born again mm -hmm. in my room. But see, somebody was bold enough to proclaim it, not in anger. He wasn't angry at all. He was just proclaiming the truth. And we got to quit apologizing totally. for saying that abusing children and stuff is sin. Well, you know, uh, I was uh, speaking to care students earlier today, uh, and this subject came up of that we need pastors to speak the truth on all these issues from the pulpit because if we don't have a standard, then how is the world ever going to know that they need salvation in the first That's place? True. If there's no truth and there's no uh, and there's not a God who determines the truth, That's right. if we all get to say what the truth is, then what's the point of Jesus coming? Maybe He did just love us all. He's a good teacher, but we can go on living the way we That's want. That's really good. True. And I, I want to say a word to the pastors and the Sunday school teachers and the youth leaders. And you know, I, most Christians have more influence than they may even be aware of, but especially pastors. And I've pastored two churches, uh, and I understand. That pastors sometimes think they have to walk this fine line of diplomacy. But pastors preach. Oh my goodness. D.L. Moody, a uh, hundred years ago on the Sawdust Trail during the you know, Depression, D.L. Moody led a million people to Christ. They say at least one million people walked the aisle. Somebody asked D.L. Moody one time, I'm sorry, Billy Sunday, the baseball player, Billy yeah, I Sunday. I was going to say, Billy Sunday. Yeah. yeah. But they said, How do people have such conviction and come forward in your meetings. And Billy Sunday said, name the sins, mm -hmm. call out the sins. People get under conviction. More recently, Jordan Peterson, the Canadian psychologist who has just recently professed to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Last July, he did a video and he was basically pleading with the American pulpit. And he said, you know, why are you pastors behaving like B-grade motivational speakers? Oh. He said, call out <laughs> sin. Wow. And, he, and he was so impassioned. You can see it, Jordan Peterson. And he said, forget trying to be inspiring and motivational and clever. He said, save some souls for goodness sakes. That's your job. And, and you know, <laughs> as, uh, as a minister, you're aware that if you say something, it's going to be dissected and pulled apart. They're going to misrepresent you. And even sometimes you will say things that are wrong. You won't do it perfectly, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't stand up. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says you have to speak the truth in love. Yep. I'm not saying that you just come out and start railing on people and telling everybody that God hates you, but you do need to establish here is a biblical truth. And unless people see that it's sin, Jesus said, unless you all repent, you shall all likewise perish. Mm. So you have to repent to receive from God. And if you don't have a standard like what Richard is saying, if this is right and this is wrong, people aren't going to know that they even need to repent. They'll look to society and think it's okay. Well, Alex, you probably know uh, this history perfectly well, but I think one of the most important sermons, as I understand it, in the first Great Awakening was Jonathan Edwards who preached sinners in the hand of an yep. angry God. You can go on the and, website. And, and there were stories of people seeing themselves dangling over the flames and uh, gripping the pew in front of them, white knuckled, falling down, crying out to God for mercy. And yeah. we believe in grace here uh, as well, but the law, if used lawfully, is a good thing. That's right. The law brings you to your need for grace. Right. And so it's not yeah. one or the other. It's not either grace or the law. You use the law to expose sin and to show people their need for God. And then once they come to God, you tell them about His goodness and forgiveness. But if a person isn't willing to admit that what they're doing, the Bible says God, Jesus died for the ungodly. Unless you're willing to admit that you're ungodly, Jesus didn't die for you. Mm. <laughs>
That's a pretty yeah. strong statement. It is. Yeah. I remember my father-in-law telling me the story of when he led his dad to the Lord on his deathbed. He was days away from dying. He had cancer. And he said, Dad, you, you need to accept Jesus. He'll forgive you of your sins. And he said, what sins? I don't. I, I don't have any sins, but he, he was able to show him and he gave his he life to Christ. He hardened his heart. Yeah. We're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and open it up and let you start asking us questions. But once again, let me just remind you, I'm giving away this new little booklet. This just came out yesterday. You're the very first people to ever see it. This is a gift to you. If you'll call that number, 719-619-2341, then we will give this to you as our gift. We encourage you to please get it. And also during this break, we're going to tell you about how you can get one third off of our uh, biblical worldview uh, teaching on what racism is. And I tell you, it's really powerful. So we'll take this little break. We'll come back and take your calls. And so please give us some good questions. We'll give all the hard ones to these guys. <laughs> Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Today, Andrew's pleased to offer another highly anticipated topic in the Biblical Worldview series on socialism. In this series, Andrew is joined by several speakers as they outline the importance for every Christian believer to have a biblical worldview with regard to socialism. Each of the 12 lessons in this series include a video, audio file, chapter lesson, and printable PDF wrapped in a single box set containing a workbook, audio USB, and personal access code to the online videos. Each lesson is full of supporting facts, quotes, charts, and historic visuals. Through the online platform, you'll have access to all the videos and digital workbooks on your computer or smart device. You can get Biblical Worldview Socialism for only $120. Go to awmi.net to order this valuable resource today. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. <coughs> Well, welcome back. We're going to start taking your calls, but I was told that I gave the wrong number for this little booklet, so uh, forgive me. Uh, I don't know what to say other than I was wrong. Nobody told me we were using our regular helpline number for this, which that number is 719-635-1111. And we have had people, I've given away lots of things. We've used this number for, I don't know, 30-something years, and I actually had one person that was going to sue me because they wanted that free thing I was offering and they didn't have an 11 on their phone. <laughs> and so for those of you that don't have an 11, it's 719-635-1111. And if you'll call that number, you can get this absolutely free. 
<laughs> I tell you what, if you minister to people, if you deal with a lot of people, you're going to have a few stories. <laughs> yes, indeed. My favorite one is from Bishop E.W. Jackson. He says, you have not lived until you're a black man that's been called a white supremacist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's pretty He's good. a dear friend to me. Amen. Yeah, he's awesome. Amen. All right, so let's go to our phones. We got Benita in uh, Quincy, Florida. So, Benita, you are on the line with us. What's your question? Are Hello. you? Yes, ma'am. We are on with us. Yes. <laughs> uh, what does the... Hi, Benita. Hi. Uh, nice. Anita, you're on. Well, oh, she's talking. She's talking. With you. Oh, I didn't hear her. Well, sorry. you got your sound turned on. I'm sorry. We're, we're just learning. We Please go. have sorry, mercy Benita. on us. This is a live call-in <laughs> show. Okay. <laughs> All right, Benita, we are listening to you. What you got to say? Um, I would like to know what the Bible says about living together out of wedlock. It says it's sin. Now, that's the short answer. The long answer to this is somebody says, well, do you have a scripture on that? You know, in John chapter 4, Jesus talked to the woman at the well. And it's a long story. I won't go through the whole thing. But finally, he told her, he says, go call your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And he said, you have correctly said, I have no husband because you've had five husbands and the one whom you're now living with is not your husband. They were living with each other and I can guarantee you they were having sex and yet Jesus says that's not marriage. So marriage is not just cohabiting. That's not what the Bible calls marriage. You have to make a commitment and the way that we do it today is to do it in the presence of other people and you make a commitment. And if you're just cohabiting, having sex outside of marriage, it's what the Bible calls sin. God will forgive you. He loves you. He doesn't want that for you. And he's gracious and will forgive it, but it is sin. Anybody got anything to add to that? First Corinthians clear. 6. Yes. In the list of people that don't inherit the kingdom of heaven, it's fornicators and that's sex outside of marriage. But there's a, a wonderful thing. Uh, verbs can be past tense. It says, as such were some of you, yep. but you've been washed. And so uh, uh, Billy Graham once said that God will forgive any sin, but he will overlook no sin. And so if anybody listening has uh, uh, done that, and uh, there's no limit to the amount of sin the human heart can Conceive. Jeremiah 17 says the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? And I was reading a commentary, guys, that said that the Jeremiah 17 verse says that we, we can't even comprehend our own capacity for iniquity. Mm -hmm. And yet Jesus is as close by as a prayer. And if we'll turn to Christ, we can be forgiven and saved. Amen. I had a man come out to shoe my horses one time. And I'd seen him at church and found out he was a farrier. And so I asked him to come out and shoe my horses. And as we got to talking, he just kept talking about this woman that he was always with. And I assumed it was his wife and he kept calling her his girlfriend. And after a while I said, so are you married to this girl? And he said, oh no, I think I've got wisdom. You know, it's like buying a car. You got to try it out before you buy. Yeah. And he said, we're just living together. And I started talking to him and I said, look, this is not what the word of God teaches. And I showed him love. I didn't condemn him. 
But I told him, I said, this is not good. I said, this is, uh, you have given place to the devil and Satan is only coming to steal, kill, and to destroy. This isn't God's kind of love. God will never lead you to do something contrary to his word. So I said, you are yielding to the devil. And this guy it normally took, say, 30 minutes to shoe a horse. It took him three hours to shoe my horse because he was just listening. And this guy honestly had never thought that. He was raised in a culture where you just shack up with the person and that's the way that it's done. Mm -hmm. And I, just think of our kids that are being raised in this culture where transgenderism, choosing whether you're a male or a female, is being crammed at them from four years on. There's so many people with skewed values that I can understand people not understanding. But if you want to go back to Scripture and look at truth and establish what is the right thing, cohabiting with a person is sin. It's a forgivable sin, but it's sin, and unless you repent, it won't be forgiven. Mm -hmm. You know, and what we forget many times, it made our nation strong. You know, we used to teach children to read so they could read the Bible. And up in New England in the 1600s, there was a law on the books, the Old Deluder Satan Act. Yep, yep. And they could actually take your children out of your home if you were not teaching them to read, because they said, if children can't read, they can't read the Bible. If they can't read the Bible, that old deluder saint, and there's some cases I've pulled out, I teach it in my practical government class, of children that were removed from their homes. But think of the wisdom of God. We started teaching the Ten Commandments. We started teaching them how to read the Bible. And the entrance of thy word gives light. Our, our children are at a different level. We're dealing with things that should have been imparted into children from infancy. Right. And now we're, you know, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So, Benita, did that answer your question? Yes, sir, it did. Thank you so much. You might have gotten more than you asked for. But anyway, <laughs> we tried to answer your question. Thank you for calling in. So let's go to Tom, and he's from uh, uh, Madison, Wisconsin. So welcome to the program, Tom. What do you have to say? Well, when this is Tom and Charmaine in Wisconsin, and we're celebrating our marriage covenant every day here, and, and are grateful for your previous answer. Uh, we call with a question because we listened to recently a man by the name of David Pine, a director of the EMP task force. And he had stated in no uncertain terms that the, there's a serious risk <clears throat> on uh, our electrical grid and that an attack or uh, damage to our uh, national electrical grid is quite imminent and very probable. So our question is, as Christians, how should we uh, be preparing for that or responding to that information? Uh, he says that the American people are completely unprepared for such an event. Well, you know, I'll speak for myself and I'll let the others comment, but I, I agree with that. I think we are very vulnerable. I've read some things. We've had General Boykin on here and we've talked with him. And, and we have just lived in peace for so long that we don't understand that these I forget what the name of it is, some kind of electromagnetic pulse, pulse. EMPs, EMPs that you can just literally wipe out an entire grid. You could wipe out a lot of our defense things. And I think that we are unprepared. That being said, what do you do? Does everybody go out and buy a generator? Does everybody go out and uh, start, you know, 
coming up with some alternative. I don't know that you can live your life totally in fear and you can't prepare for everything. So I think you could take reasonable steps, do stuff that's, uh, you know, not extreme, but, uh, and prepare to a degree. But ultimately the answer is we got to get godly people in positions of leadership that'll quit putting in wind generators that will never pay for themselves in a history of the thing. They are more expensive to operate than they save money. Uh, this is the reason that Texas and some other places when they had real cold weather, they couldn't keep up because they had done so much into the solar power and wind power and stuff and it didn't, couldn't keep up. We need to get people in. It'll start thinking with their brain mm. instead of their politics mm. and do something right. And let me say a word about, um, you know, we hear the term fossil fuels in the news, which is really a misnomer because uh, th there is in a worldview that doesn't acknowledge God, in an evolutionary worldview, they think oil beds came about by ferns rotting in the primeval swamps and uh, fossils. That's not how oil beds came about at all. And it's been my privilege to interview a lot of geologists, both here in Colorado, back in Texas, back in North Carolina. And I believe the oil beds that uh, are under the ground, just like there's a water table, but there, there's oil that we pump out. And many of the, they've documented the, the pressure of the oil is replenishing itself. And somehow from that great ball of fire at the center of our planet, ultimately oil comes up through the soil and we pump it out and it's not derived from fossils at all. But coal and petroleum, very vital for the, the fuels that we need. Uh, they're not going to run out. They are not going to run out. They're not poisoning the environment. They, they just aren't. One thing, and I'll say this, uh, I had the privilege about um, 2020, just before COVID kicked in, I was invited to go to Winterville, Ohio to preach at the dedication of a building. And that was a great honor. And right there at like Winterville, Steubenville, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, three states converge. So uh, these gracious folks took me to dinner and I asked the gentleman, I said, what do you do? And he said, well, I lead one of the big coal mines. And he told me the biggest contiguous coal deposit on planet Earth is right there at the Union of Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Kentucky. He said, we are so blessed, Alex. It's very clean. And look, there's an agenda behind the getting rid right. of coal and petroleum. But he said this, he said, Alex, they've been mining this vein of coal since the time of William Penn. Hmm. And I said, okay, how much is gone? He said, uh, we've maybe dug out five to 10% mm -hmm. in 200 years. Yeah. My point is, America, part of our energy independence and part of the blessing, God has so richly blessed this nation with natural resources, some of which is petroleum and coal, but the left, the pro-socialist, anti-God, anti-morality agenda, they don't like that. And so our, back to the original question, our electrical grid, our energy independence, we must elect leaders that believe in American sovereignty and that understand that this green agenda that's driven by an ungodly worldview, it can't shape our future. Amen. Yeah. That's and great. you know, back when, during Trump's presidency, I read a thing that we were oil, I mean, energy independent. And they said that there is enough oil deposits in the U.S. alone to power the entire world, not just the U.S., but the entire world for a hundred years. 
Wow. And of course, we aren't the only supplier in the whole world. So it would go on for who knows how many years. Plus, there's alternative things. We've got a guy on staff who's made a car that runs off water. And he's in the process of trying to perfect it. There's all kinds of things. There's no shortage except we got too many politicians. We need a shortage of politicians <laughs> to get in and do the right thing. Yeah. So, Tom, hopefully that helped. I hope that answered your question. Thanks for your call. So let's go to uh, Valerie, and she's in Pennsylvania. And, Valerie, thank you for being a partner with us. We really appreciate you partnering with Truth and Liberty. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure. I'd like to know what the kingdom of heaven is. I'm reading through the Gospels. It, Jesus compares it to things. And I would like, I just don't fully understand what he was referring to or why he uh, brought it up. Well, that's a pretty big question. Kingdom means a, uh, the realm over which a king rules. And so you could talk about the kingdom of heaven and finances and healing and politics and just everything. And there's some people that make a distinction between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And I've heard people make entire uh, teachings on that. But you can take the exact same scriptures that are in Matthew, kingdom of God, and the same thing is called kingdom of heaven over in one of the other gospels. So I think that some people have made more out of it than what it should be. But basically, it's just the realm over which a king rules. And so if you want to enter into God's kingdom, you need to acknowledge him as the sovereign, as the Lord. You need to submit to him. And when you do that, you become a part of his kingdom. You enter it through faith in Jesus. You guys want to give more? Well, Valerie, also Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. And so that is, you know, kingdom, domicile. It's a place where the king rules. So when the Lord rules in our heart, then there's a portion of that. I've, I've read where some commentaries have said that really those are kind of interchangeable. The very life of God is on the inside of you. Now, this world lies in darkness, but we have the kingdom of God. We have authority on the inside of us because Jesus is Lord and it begins in our heart. And so really the kingdom, we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. One day this earth will be under the lordship and rulership of the Lord Jesus Christ. But until then it's only in the hearts of those that have received him as Lord. I just did a, uh, finished a series in my church on the parables of Jesus, and uh, it was called the, um, the, the Kingdom of God Understood Through the Parables of Jesus, because he often would begin by saying the Kingdom of God or the Kingdom of Heaven is like, and then he would give an illustration. But uh, it, exactly right, Jesus came to reestablish God's Kingdom on the earth, because in the beginning He was the ruler and, the, and, and King, but Adam, when he believed the lie of Satan, he enthroned Satan in the heart of man, and Christ has come to undo that. And as we make Him Lord in our lives and in our heart, then the Kingdom of God, yes, it's in us, but it begins to also work outward into every aspect of our society. So some people want to say, well, the Kingdom of God is within us. Jesus said that, so we don't have to worry about the culture around us. And that's absolutely not true. God wants uh, that Kingdom to come from the inside out. Legalism is simply people trying to make the Kingdom from the outside in, and it doesn't work that way. Our heart has to be changed first. Submission to God, submission to His Word, 
heard first and foremost, and then that kingdom of God begins to operate in you. And Jesus describes the kingdom with all these parables, telling us characteristics of it, and it can be divided into the word of the king, uh, the heart of the king, and then the heart of the king's true servants. So, uh, you know, hopefully these comments will help you study that out in a little bit more detail. Very good. And Jesus also pray, told us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. So a person who would take what Richard is saying, well, the kingdom is within me, and so I'm just going to take care of my own heart. He told you, no, you have to pray that that kingdom comes on earth. We have a responsibility to get it out of the inside of us and into our culture. And it's also good to make the distinction, Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, Amen. not the gospel of the new birth per se. The new birth, that was when Nicodemus came to him late in the night, How, what must a man do? And he, he taught him about being born again. But he came declaring the kingdom, and that's demonstrating kingdom authority. In fact, I love Mark's rendition of the Great Commission. Those who believe on me, they you will. You said that on your program this morning. I yeah. watched your program. You <laughs> quoted this same thing. I'll be. It's very good. Praise the Lord. Amen. You're consistent. <laughs> well, consistent. So, anyway, excuse me, Mark 16. Yeah, that, that's my favorite rendition of the Great Commission. They will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. They'll, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. That's kingdom authority. So people are trying to kill us, has no effect on us. When it says um, we'll cast out devils, we have authority. That's kingdom authority we're exercising mm -hmm. through us. Like Jesus came illustrating that. So the kingdom is like. Mm -hmm. And so the kingdom of God is within us. And that's a portion of the world to come really. It's His resurrection power on the inside of us that He wants us to demonstrate in this earth now. Amen. That's Amen. good stuff. This is powerful. Hey, I want to give that number, 719-619-2341. If you want to call in with a Bible question, we're going to get to it. But I, I honestly think one of the most under preached on things is the kingdom of God. Yes. It's a fascinating subject. I've got a friend and uh, you might have heard me reference him. His name is Dr. Gary Habermas, H-A-B-E-R-M-A-S, known as the world expert on the resurrection, an incredible man <laughs> of God. Gary Habermas says that one of the most unique things about Jesus is his preaching on the kingdom of God. That for centuries there have been religious figures that said, do this, don't do that. But Jesus for a number of unique things about him. He said that he would be the propitiation for our sins, that our punishment would be put on him. But Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God, mm -hmm. the kingdom of God and how to get in. And yeah. that is an absolutely unique message. Yeah. That's great. I'm enjoying the, this. The new birth is the entrance into that kingdom. Yeah, that's how you get in. You the can't kingdom. even get in the, in the castle. In, in God's castle without that new birth. That's your entrance point. But as we submit to the king and his lawful authority, because remember Jesus said, I, I like Mark's version, but I also like Matthew's, because Matthew, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and in earth is given unto me, go ye therefore. And so when we submit to the king, he transfers his authority to us, uh, just like John said in his version, and then we go forth and execute his power in the earth. Boy, and you just reminded me, someone we all love very much is Bishop Joshua Lawary. Oh, yes. So, the revelation God has given him on discipling nations, <clears throat> in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is revealed as king. And uh, mm -hmm. go and make disciples of all nations. In Mark, it's the individual. Mm -hmm. And that's where you cast out yep. devils of the individual. But what is going on in Uganda 
is a modern day exploit. He is discipling the nation. The body of Christ is discipling the nation because of the revelation of the kingdom authority that we have. Yeah. And uh, it is a miracle nation. I just watched that documentary again, An Unconventional War. That country should not be in existence no. today. Mm -hmm. It should be completely overrun by darkness. But the body of Christ rose up and it's amazing what's happening. Wow. A friend of mine, he actually went from the airport in, uh, where is that? In Tebby. In Tebby, and it's about what, a 20 minute, uh, now, 20, it's 20, a, now it's a 20 minute drive. It used to be three hours. Yeah, but anyway, long. between there, it was 20 miles is what I was thinking, about 20 miles. And during the AIDS epidemic, uh, they had caskets lined two and three mm. deep for 20 miles along the road waiting to be picked up. There were so many people dying of AIDS. And Museveni, the uh, president came in and his wife is a real godly lady. I've met her and she started standing and you go to Uganda and you'll see billboards about be faithful to your wife. Adultery is sin. Amen. And they started oh, preaching the morality and they have cut it down and it was 95% or something like that had AIDS at one time and now it's down to like less than 5%. They turned the entire nation around, and Bishop Lewis is a big part of it. This will bless you. So I preached for him two Sundays ago. We got to church. He said, Mark, I'm going to introduce you, and I have to go. The first lady asked me to come speak. She had called for the top 70 educators in the entire country. He said, I want you. He said, I've, I've told that. She said, I've told them to come in a day early. I want you to teach on how to preserve Uganda from moral decadence. Amen. And he, he taught on right of conscience and morality. I have the little booklet and it is the most powerful thing. And there were non-believers there and it created a buzz. But that's coming from the first lady to yep. speak to the she, educators. She's a great lady. I met her and her daughter. She came to our school. I think her name is Precious. Patience. 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 I knew it started with the P. <laughs> anyway, she's a great lady. I visited with her. Anyway, I hope, Valerie, that helped you. Thank you for your call. We really question. appreciate it. So let's go to Jennifer in New Jersey. And uh, you're on the air with us. Thank you for calling in, Jennifer. Hello. How are you? I'm blessed. Yes, you are. So am I. Um, I have a question. How do you minister to the homosexual community when there are so many churches out there that are embracing and um, telling them what they're doing is fine and that they'll be in heaven with Jesus and everything's great and love is love. Mm. You know, I'm going to defer and let the others answer this, but real quickly let me just say that uh, we make a mistake thinking that we have to minister in a way that everybody accepts us. There are people that are entrenched in this and they are going to reject you. There is no way to win the, all of these arguments because some people, if you don't validate and promote their lifestyle, then according to them, you are a homophobe or you are a ho homosexual hater. And so you can't win the argument. All you can do is like we've been saying is just speak the truth on the inside. They know the truth. They may tell you that they don't, but they do. And if you'll speak the truth in love, then the Holy Spirit can bear witness. And if they'll open up their heart and receive, they can be set free. Well, Jennifer, I think that's a great question. I go back to the fact Jesus Christ full of grace and truth. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad grace was in front of truth in that, in that scripture. I say that sometimes people minister 
truth in such a harsh way. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a law of leadership that says people don't care what you know till they know that you care. So it needs to be the love of God in your heart. But having love in your heart doesn't mean you compromise the truth. Amen. And so, um, I, in fact, Andrew, it was right here when I was speaking in chapel years ago. We were still over in the barn. Um, I was sharing on a lot of what the Lord dealt with in my life and speaking up and speaking out on the issues. And there was a line of people waiting. This very precious uh, woman of God waited, and she was just beaming. And, and she said, I just want to share a bit, a bit of my testimony. I was a lesbian. She said I was in Hollywood, and she named some pretty big names out there, Hollywood names. She'd been to their homes. But she said, do you know how I got free from homosexuality? I heard a pastor preach out of Romans chapter 1, and she says, I went home, and that Word, the Word of God, kept working Amen. on me. Amen. And she said, I got a Bible, and I started reading. And that's what led me to get free from homosexuality. What would have happened if that pastor would have been of the mindset, well, I don't want to offend anybody and I don't want to hurt their feelings. It's our job to preach the truth, declare the truth, most importantly, live the truth, but do it with grace and love in our hearts and then leave the results to God. Andrew, can I comment on this one, Alex? Do you have, you, no, go you want to go first? Well, um, so, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, my twin brother was actually gay, and he ended up dying of AIDS, um, and uh, he, he came this close to leaving homosexuality. Uh, I, was, I was pretty new to the Lord, and I was ministering to him and, and telling him, you know, God's Word and this and that. And I remember when John told me that he, he didn't know if he could leave his, what do they call it, partner whatever. They'd been together for a long time. He didn't know if he could leave him. He already knew he had AIDS. He said, because I, I think I'll be alone at the end, and I don't think there'll be anybody there for me. And uh, it reminds me of what Janet Boynes told me, too. Janet Boynes is a partner of this ministry, and she was a lesbian for a long time and has been delivered and now ministers to people in the lifestyle. And she says that one of the most important things for people who want to come out of that is to have a place that where they can feel like they're accepted and they belong. Not accepted as in we accept your sin, but we love you as a right. person. Amen. And that community does more than anything else to draw them out. And I think the, the thing that we as believers need to understand about people that are struggling with homosexuality is that um, the vast majority of them, I would say nearly all of them, have a, have a brokenness in their background. They were either molested sexually or otherwise abused in some way, and they do not accept themselves in their current, like a man, he doesn't feel like he's a real man. The woman doesn't feel like she's a real woman. And so they're broken in their identity, and that's where those, those cross, that same-sex attraction comes out of that. And without the, the truth, they need to know that this is wrong. They need to know that. Most of them inherently know it unless that's they've right. hardened their heart. That's right. Unless they've hardened their heart, which a lot have now, but they know it already. So you don't have to, and they want to be free. They just don't know how. But, but if you minister that identity message to them, you are, you are made in God's image, and you are a man just as much as any of them. You are a woman just like God wanted you to be, and God loves you, um, and He'll set you free. So we got to get to that identity issue and create a loving environment for them in the church. And along those same lines, the homosexual community really does have a community. They I validate they and try and reinforce every 
lesbian, homosexual couple. And if they're coming out of that and the church isn't accepting them, that's a huge commitment for them to leave a place where they're feeling acceptance to where they're rejected. So part of it is that you have to show them that you love them, speak the truth, but, but you have to speak the truth. It's the truth that sets them free. There is no scripture that says love will set you free. Mm. It says the truth will set you free. Amen. That's right. So you have to speak the truth in love. You know, Alex and I, we've had a lot of conversation. Yeah. There was that study that was done, and then it was so controversial. They oh, did yeah. a study of the study. I think you maybe should share that. <laughs> there, there was study. a guy at the University of Texas at Austin. His name was Mark Regnerus, R-E-G-N-E-R-U-S. The Regnerus study, this is about Who's the spell it of the name. people that you quote? Uh, well, you Alex just, McFarland. Got to be right. precise. That's good. He's precise. They, I like they, it. They studied 3,200 gay and lesbian couples and couples that adopted children, and they, they documented it, and it, we'll have to do this after the break, yeah. but the data on homosexuality sexuality and gay marriage was so tragic. Mm. Well, let's leave that as a tease why you need to stay tuned and come back. But we're going to take a break right now and uh, we'll take a 90 second break and then we're going to come back and we're going to continue to answer that question. And we've got some other people lined up on the phone. So let's take a break and we'll be right back. I want to encourage you to get a product that we are putting out that we've entitled Relationship University. So we've got 48 lessons by eight different instructors from our Caris Bible College. And we also have six question and answer sessions in here. We've got not only the audio, but then we have all of these books that has this questions and answers, all kinds of things. It's just a great product, but I encourage you to get this Relationship University. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we have big plans to make a big impact. If you want to be a part of turning our nation back to God, I want to invite you to become a supporter of Truth and Liberty. You can go on our website at truthandliberty.net to the donate page and make a gift there. And you can also sign up to be uh, make a recurring automatic gift of $5 or more per month, and then you'll become a Truth and Liberty member. And uh, our gifts to Truth and Liberty are not tax deductible, but I promise you, God sees your generosity. So go to Truth and Liberty and become a member today. I was doing all the right things, but I didn't know how much God really loved me. It wasn't a personal relationship with the Lord. It was obligations. It was religion. And I didn't know how good He really was and how He wanted to have a personal relationship with me. And so when I came to this ministry, my life just was transformed. So welcome back to our Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. Our number is 719-619-2341. We have that number on the screen and we're taking your calls. And we had a question that Alex was right in the middle of explaining. We're talking about uh, how to minister to a homosexual and speak the truth in love, and you were beginning to quote some kind of statistics. What was that? Well, yeah, thank you. Would Andrew. you like to spell the man's name again? <laughs> R-E-G-N-E-R-U-S, Mark Regnerus, and he was at the University of Texas at Austin and did this study 
And now whether or not that gentleman's a Christian, I have no idea. He was a sociologist, an academic, and of couples that gay, profess gay marriage, gay men, gay, uh, lesbian women, uh, there's more depression, more substance abuse, more domestic violence, more thoughts of suicide, suicide attempts. And then when those gay couples adopt children, the data gets even worse. Mm-hmm. And the, the kids that are in a gay couple uh, household rather than a traditional heterosexual monogamous household are 200 more times likely to get molested as children. Wow. Now, this study, very academic, it wasn't some ranter on a soapbox, very academic study. It created such a firestorm, he was put on academic leave. They spent more than a year studying the study. And they said that his data is, is irrefutable. Now, now, here's the thing. The Bible tells us to love our neighbor, right? But why, if I'm going to do what Jesus said and love my neighbor, which means to seek the highest good of somebody else, why would I encourage somebody towards a lifestyle that would leave them many times more likely to take their own life, to wind up uh, on drugs, to be molested, to do self-harm and cutting? Suicide. Mm. Oh, suicide. So, um, as Richard said, the whole same-sex attraction or gender confusion comes from uh, molestation and brokenness. So we in the church, we have got to be champions for truth, champions for family. And there's so much more we can say. I want to give a website real quick, and I know we've got a lot of calls and uh, callers. We're going to get to you, but there's a great website from a colleague I used to work with at Focus on the Family, Ann Palk. Do you know her in this? uh, Well, Ann Palk uh, has a website called Restored Hope Network. And there's a lot of great people on that website like uh, Dr. James Dobson and some of the great thinkers and mental health professionals of our times. And the Restored Hope Network will help equip churches to minister to people. Yeah. Can I, can I ask a follow-up on that, Alex? You, uh, Did you the, call in? <laughs> what's the number? It's Richard from Colorado. We'll let you give. Well, yeah, so a lot of liberals today or, or people who defend uh, the uh, gay lifestyle, they say the, those numbers on suicide, depression, all that other stuff, that's because these people are not accepted in society. So that's making them sad and depressed. What's your thought? Well, about let me say this. I hear that. They say, yeah, they're depressed. They want to take their life because you write wingers in America make them feel bad. Well, no. In European countries like Switzerland, in the Netherlands, in Britain, the numbers are the same. And Europe has been three, four, five decades ahead of the USA in its embrace of Mm -hmm. deviant lifestyles. And yet the suicide, the depression, the substance abuse are the same over there. Um, I interviewed on, on our live radio show and all of you have been on our other show, Exploring the Word. But I interviewed a, a young lady that recently came out of transgenderism. She got born again, just got married last summer. But she said every day that she was in the lesbian lifestyle, she was defending it. She was out loud and proud. And she said, every day in my soul, I knew I was Absolutely. in the And I just saw an interview with a woman last week. Her name was Erin Brewer. That's (laughs) B-R-E-W-E-R. And she was testifying. She had been a female that transgendered to a male at 18 years old, had her breasts taken off. And she is dealing with hormonal problems. She has to be on medication the rest of her life. She has detransitioned. And she was pointing out a very similar thing to what you're saying, that in those European countries that have embraced these things five or 10 years ahead, 
head of the U.S. They are now beginning to pass laws that forbid the transgender and homosexuality because they're seeing these statistics that you're talking about, and not from a Christian standpoint. They are just seeing that this is destroying people's lives. And they, there was half a dozen of these uh, European countries that are now passing laws prohibiting the things that they were promoting just a decade ago mm. because it's destructive. You don't even have to have a biblical worldview to oppose this stuff because it's destroying people's lives. Mm. Yeah. It's terrible. We need to go back to the phone. Let's go to Agnes in Houston, Texas. And Agnes, thank you for subscribing to Truth and Liberty. You're on the air with us. Hello, sir, um, Sir Andrew, and everyone. How are you all? We are blessed. Thank. First of all, thank you so much, um, Pastor Andrew, for everything. I am what I have right now because of listening to you. Um, my question, uh, Pastor, is that uh, how will my family listen to the truth? Because as the Word of God said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive. The, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children. And I think what's, um, and then the other one is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Um, how will they be baptized? Because I think the missing is the Holy Spirit. How will they listen to the truth? Well, again, I'll let other people, I'm, I'm not real gentle. I'm not real polished. Uh, I just believe you've got to speak the truth to them. And how, you, how they receive is really not your um, responsibility. Who was it we were quoting that duty is ours, results are God's? Mm -hmm. We have to get to where we just stand for the truth. Now, you do it in love, but most people are paralyzed. They won't say something because they're afraid that this might offend somebody. It might. Jesus said that people will be offended. He said, beware when all men speak well of you. And I think many times we refuse to speak the truth because we're afraid it might not be received. And one of the things that really touched me many years ago was a guy that was asking me for help. He asked, what's wrong? And I mean, God spoke to me very clearly what was wrong with this guy. And as he was talking and telling me the situation, I just thought, God, he's not going to like this. And I was debating, do I say this to him? And you know, the Lord spoke to me and he said, if you don't tell him the truth that I've revealed to you, then you rejected the truth for him. He mm. says, you don't have the right to reject the truth for anybody else. Your responsibility is to speak the truth. And if they reject it, let them reject it, but you do not have the right to reject it for them. So don't become paralyzed thinking about they won't receive what I've got to say. You just speak the truth, do it with as much love as you can, but leave the results to God and aware that not everybody will receive what you got to say. I got to quote Mark Cowart. One time I was at CFAN on a Sunday morning, I was listening to Mark Cowart preach, talking about that very same thing. And he said, somebody is waiting on the other side of your obedience. Mm -hmm. You remember saying that? Mm -hmm. And our, like Bill Bright of Campus Crusade, Bill Bright said, success in witnessing is sharing Christ in the power and leading of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God. Mm, that's good. You know, Agnes, I think that is such a great question. One of the things I say often is you may be the only Bible that somebody ever gets to read. Paul said, we are living epistles, mm -hmm. read of all men. 
And you know, Jesus said, we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So if anybody's heard me preach over a period of time, you know I love salt. Um, I like salty food. And salty food brings out the flavor. Uh, I love meat. I love to cook on the grill. It would be criminal to cook a steak without salt. It's what brings out the flavor. And if you read Matthew chapter 6 in the Message Bible, it talks about we are the salty of the earth, bringing out the God flavors of life. So, one of the things I say, Jesus said, let our light so shine before men. You're a witness right now. There, there are times that I know this has gone on in our family that my words were not received. But what's interesting, over time, when my children, uh, when they were little, you know, they didn't want to hear what dad had to say or whatever. And then later, I would, I would hear them quote me. And I go, my God, yeah, they yeah, were I listening to me. Oh, yeah. My word, <laughs> it shocked me. And so, the salt and light factor is a real important thing. I, you know, when I used to work, I was a meat cutter and I worked around some real heathens and uh, they acted like, you know, they would mock me and things like that. But when we got alone, it was amazing what they would ask me. Right. My life was speaking. Yep. So, not only words and speaking the truth, but your very life, your very life is speaking at this time. Wow. Very good. But don't let anybody think that just living before them, but you aren't going to speak the truth. That's not it. It's not word only. It's not action only. It's you acting right and giving God the credit and speaking the truth. They need to be coupled together. You know, my in-laws hated me when I first got married. Matter of fact, they told Jamie two weeks before we told them we were going to get married, you stay away from Andrew Womack. And they hated me and we did not get along. And there was a question at one time whether they would ever let me come back. But you know, I, I'm not saying I did it all right. I probably didn't do it all right, but I spoke the truth. And did you know it won them over and we became best friends. I was with my mother-in-law and father-in-law when they died and they depended upon me. They were some of our big, biggest partners. But if I would have compromised, I'm not sure that ever would have come back. But if you speak the truth, the Lord will bear witness to the truth. He won't bear witness mm. to compromise, mm. stuff like that. You know, we can see this on a cultural level too. I think uh, it's like Republicans, sometimes they, they always buy into this lie that they need to nominate someone who's moderate. Yep. And every time they put a moderate up there, we lose. lose. But when we put a strong conservative who believes in what he's saying up there, they do much better and oftentimes win, just like Donald Trump. Uh, that was the thing about him. People were drawn to, they could tell that he, he believed in what he was saying, even if I disagree with some of it. People need leadership. And it's the same way on a, on a personal level, too. People will respond to that integrity and boldness. And none of us like to be rejected and criticized. I've had front page articles against me and it doesn't bless me. And there's this feeling that, well, what if I say something and it's wrong? I don't want to say anything that's wrong. But at the same time, you can't be paralyzed by that because you will say something wrong. Have you ever said anything wrong? Oh, Lord. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I don't do it all right. But did you know what? I just do it with a pure heart in love for people, telling them the truth because I really do care about them. And it will be taken out of context. It will be used against you. But the Holy Spirit will also use it to touch people. And you can't be paralyzed by a fear that you're going to do something wrong because you will. And God won't fall off the throne and the Holy Spirit will use the truth that you share to reach someone. Amen. That's good. Amen. So thank you, Agnes. We appreciate your 
question. Let's go to Linda, and she's in Texas, and you have a question for us. What's that? Yes, Andrew. Um, last year you said that the Lord had told you that the Great Awakening had already begun. Has He told you anything else about the Great Awakening? No, but He's confirmed that uh, a lot of times. Matter of fact, uh, right after the Lord spoke that to me, I began to call some of my friends and ask them what they thought about this. And you know, David Barton and Tim Barton, they're good friends of mine, and they are just really influential. They're the ones that wrote a lot of the Republican uh, national, what do they call it? Platform. Platform. And they're very influential, meet with some real famous people. And anyway, they said that the Lord told them a year before that they were already in the Great Awakening. And then I've had just dozens of people confirm it. So I can't say that I've gotten any further revelation, but I've had it confirmed. And uh, if we had time, we could just mention dozens and dozens of things, such as Roe versus Wade Amen. being overturned. Praise Nobody God. would have thought that back Amen. just a few years ago. We are in the midst of some good things. You just don't hear much about it. And that's one of the reasons that we want this Truth and Liberty broadcast so we can share some good news. Amen. Instead of bad news. Anybody else got anything to add? No. All right. Thanks, Linda. Let's go to, uh, is that Muriel? Is that the way you say it? Muriel from Seattle, Washington. You're on with us. Hello. Hey, my name is Marcel, actually. Uh, oh, Marcel. Well, that's not the way it looks on the screen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> trying to explain it. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys for putting the show together. Very cool. Uh, you know, it's awesome to hear you guys talk and just learn so much. So, thank you so much once again. So, yeah, I'm here in Washington, uh, Seattle. I feel like God wants me here uh, for a reason. But I just wanted to see, based on, you know, um, on your advice, like, what's a good way to start influencing the government or the city um, here? You know, some practical ways to start. Well, again, that is a huge question, and I think there's a hundred ways that you could start doing it. But let me just start here, that I think you ought to start on the local level. And David Barton, who I just referenced, he, he and Tim Barton bring this out very clearly, that we are paralyzed because we primarily get national news, and we see things on this national level and think, what can I do to affect that? And you really can't do that much on a national level, but you can run for like school boards. You could become a, uh, what do they call it? A uh, person that watches the elections. Oh, the uh, board of elections. The uh, election, election judge. judge. Yes. And you can do that. And you can do that. Nearly anybody can be elected to a school board, become an election judge, and you can make a difference on a local level. And as you see the local level change, then that will grow out. And so there's a lot that you can do. This, that's a very simple answer, but that's a good place to start is on a local level. And Marcel, let me encourage you. Hi, this is Alex here. Um, I know this is going to sound so basic, but pray and maybe organize people to pray. And let me encourage you to fast and pray. Mark uh, 9.26 talks about some things are only accomplished through fasting and prayer. And uh, this would be a whole other program perhaps to talk about what fasting and prayer will do. But I'll tell you, if you can uh, organize some believers, it doesn't have to be a huge crowd, just begin to fast. And you know, James 4, 2 says we have not because we ask not. Specific prayers get specific answers. And so when you pray or when you fast and pray, and then when you fast and pray in agreement and pray with great specifics, uh, things will happen. Amen. I believe that. Amen. Well, one thing too, Marcel, this is Mark. And one of my favorite teachings that David Barton has 
our leaders in this nation used to call for days of prayer and fasting. Um, what they call it, Alex, public humiliation. Uh, humiliation. And one time he got a whiteboard out and he showed all these impossible battles we were facing. And do you remember how many declarations were put out? I think it was like 1,400. 1, 1,400 uh, before the year 18, 1812. That's right, Richard, because yep. wow. you were over in practical government back yep. then. We were listening to David <laughs> yep. teach us. And I'm telling you, impossible battles that we faced, our leaders, presidents, and different ones would call for days of prayer and fasting, and miraculously we'd win. So that is a very important part, Alex. Well, Mark uh, and Marcel, I think um, if you want to go to the Truth and Liberty website, go to our research center and our resources page, and we've got all kinds of stuff on there that might be a benefit to you. Uh, and I want to mention one thing in particular, or two things, let me say that, is in your local church, if you do not have a, uh, a culture impact team, or if there's not a biblical citizenship course, those are two resources on our website that anybody can do in the local church. You just obviously need your pastor's permission on that. But that, though, both of those are powerful tools to awaken your local congregation on what they can do and how they can get involved and make a difference and learn the, the Christian heritage of America. And you can become a, 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 what would you say, like a liaison so that you can inform your church about what's going on in the community and then also uh, gather people to also be salt and light in the community. And no one knows better than you, Pastor Mark, because yeah. you've got Family Research Council said that Pastor Mark's Culture Impact Team is the very best in the nation. And uh, it's changing Amen. things around here. So, Well, Marcel, in fact, tomorrow night we have a mayoral candidate forum that is live streamed. And if you go to churchforallnations.com, uh, there is a link. Well, go to churchforallnations.com. There's a website. We've got a link to our culture impact team. Our team is here to serve you. I have an amazing team. Ken Davis leads it up. And uh, we've been told the forums are what we really do well. And we just had a previous, what was that? Uh, was that city council, I believe, mm -hmm. we just had? Yeah. And uh, so you can watch one, but we have all sorts of materials. And we'll help if your pastor will give us a point of contact. We will serve in whatever way that we can. So, Marcel, I hope that helped. Hope it answered your question. And also, let me just say thank you for being a partner with us. Amen. Richard, would you explain what the difference between a partner and a subscriber to Truth and Liberty is? Yeah, sure. Absolutely, Andrew. So, a subscriber means that you've signed up on our website to receive our emails. So, you share your email address with us and you start getting our blogs and action alerts and stuff like that. Being a, a partner, or we call it a member, is where you go to our donate page on truthandliberty.net and you sign up to make a recurring automatic contribution of $5 or more per month. Month, and that makes you a Truth and Liberty member. So we appreciate it, Marcel, for you being a partner with us. So let's go to Barry from Maryland, and uh, he's got a question for us. You're on the air, Barry. Hey, what's up, guys? Appreciate y'all taking my call. You're welcome. Uh, my question is, in Romans, it talks about the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, and I subscribe to that 100%. I'm an actual candidate of that. Um, my I've always tried to bring reconciliation to King Saul in 1 Samuel 15, how God rejected him. Can you help me bring some... Um, well, I, th I, think I, know what you, I think I know what you're getting at. If the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, how could God have rejected Saul? 
once he had ordained him to be king. But uh, there's, there's a lot of ways to answer that, but the simplest answer that would make it clear is that he was under a different covenant. Under the new covenant, we have things in Jesus that people under the old covenant didn't have. For instance, David prayed and said, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit away from me. A New Testament uh, believer should never pray that because he's promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. So we have a different covenant and we will never be rejected in the way that Saul was. Now there's a lot more to it than that, but that is a simple answer that would reconcile those things right there. You know think, Dad? Well, didn't Saul reject God? I mean, he rejected God, but I think that what uh, Barry is saying, you know, that God had promised that the gifts and callings of God were without repentance, but that's Romans 11:29. That's a New Testament yeah. uh, promise, and things changed under Jesus. We are treated totally different in the New Covenant than people were treated under the Old Covenant mm-hmm. because of what Jesus did. Well, we actually, my good friend here, we had a, uh, I, I didn't even want to call it a debate. It was more a panel discussion, and it was entitled Once Saved, Always Saved. This is, but Dr. Dell Tackett, mm-hmm. yourself, myself, and Tony Cook. Tony Cook, yes. And uh, it is our most viewed uh, discussion debate we've ever had. Uh, we broke a 125-year record cold and it shocked me how many people came out for it yeah and that's on our website as well if you try to but one of the things that i say you know that and tony brought this up after you're saved he asked the question do you lose free will god is faithful but it's people that depart from the living god the call's there mm-hmm. but when people depart so Saul made decisions, and it was the old covenant. Thank God we're under the new covenant, better covenant, established upon better promises. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm a big one for personal responsibility. We live in an age where nobody wants to be responsible for anything. And the fact of the matter is we're going to be accountable to God one day for our stewardship, which is the decisions that we make. So I believe... You know, even under the old, he walked from God. He really rejected God and feared the people rather than reverencing God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's a lot that could be said about that. Yeah. So uh, let's go to Donna in Houston, Texas. And Donna, thank you for being a partner with us on Truth and Liberty, and thank you for your call. What have you got to say? Um, hi there. Um, you were talking um, this week about how. Lucifer was sent into the Garden of Eden, Eden to be a ministering angel. Yep. And I was wondering then, when did um, the Isaiah 14, where he was saying, I will, I will, I will, I will be better than God, and then also in Revelation where it says that he was cast down. When did that take place if he started in the Garden of Eden? I'm not understanding the... Well, the best thing I could offer you is my teaching on the authority of the believer. I go into great detail on that, and I'm not sure that any of these guys agree with me. I've never heard anybody else preach this, so I'll offer it as andeology. But I don't believe that Satan made a frontal assault on God. Uh, you know, and some people use Revelation chapter 12 where the dragon took with, with his tail one-third of the stars and cast them to the earth, and they say that's where Satan got one-third of the angels to rebel at God. It's possible that's what it means, but that is really stretching biblical uh, interpretation to say that that's one-third of the angels. But even if that's what it means, 
I, if I was Satan, I wouldn't have charged God if I'd had 100% of the angels. <laughs> That's just dumb. God's going to win over any created being that he made. So I don't think that Satan rebelled at God like in the heavenlies or in a pre-Adamic civilization. I think his rebellion at God took place in the garden because Adam and Eve had an authority that no, nobody else had been given. They had been given an unconditional authority to be the God of this world, to rule and have dominion. And Satan knew that if he uh, got them to yield to him and give uh, him the authority that God gave mankind, then for God to wipe out Satan, he'd have had to have also wiped out Adam and Eve. And in a sense, he took them hostage. Like you can go into a bank and have nothing but a knife. And you could have people standing around with automatic weapons, and yet you can still get away with robbing the bank if you take a hostage because they don't want to kill the hostage. God didn't want to lose us, and so he uh, upheld our decision to make Satan. Uh, actually, I, the way I say it is God created Lucifer, man created Satan. We're the ones that gave him his power and authority. And I think that the rebellion took place right there in the garden. Now, I've never heard anybody else teach that. You guys are free to disagree with me. <laughs> They're free to have their own opinion, but I'm not going to agree with them or we'd both be wrong. <laughs> well, that's the awesome thing about this. Uh, what do they say if we're all thinking alike, somebody's not thinking? That's right. Uh, yeah, somebody's not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things, I think it's a great question, Donna. I'm of a different persuasion. That's what I love about my brothers up here. We don't agree on everything, but we love each other so much in the Lord. I tried to get him to debate the rapture with me and <laughs> oh. it was a disaster. <laughs> oh, there's a story behind that. <laughs> but anything, Donna, I'm, I'm an old earther and I have dear friends that are new earthers. What that means is I believe it's possible the earth could be millions or billions of years old. Uh, I believe that it's possible there was a massive gap between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. Something catastrophic happened there and a lot purport and I tend to lean this way. There's certain things I don't get dogmatic on. but. Um, you know, Dake had a lot of good things to say about that. An author by, by the name of Pemberton in Earth's Earliest Ages. It was a book from the 1800s drawing scriptures from Genesis, Jeremiah, Isaiah, first and second Peter, Jude. And so I have been of the persuasion that uh, Lucifer rebelled that, you know, as best we know, he was leader of heavenly worship. He felt that power and decided he wanted God's throne. Mm -hmm. And he was a being of such power, he felt he had a go at overthrowing God. I don't know that we can fathom that. So those are territories I don't get dogmatic on, but there are some fascinating studies on that in Scripture. So I was of the persuasion, I am of the persuasion that Lucifer fell prior to the beginning. And uh, then there was a clock that started and. Mm -hmm. And God went on with his plan, and then Satan interrupted that by dece deceiving mankind, and then the redemption plan kicked in. I believe I could disprove that, but I love you, brother. Well, I love you me. too. I, I want to I say something you. before I throw to Andrew, and sadly, we're almost out of time, and mm -hmm. Paul, I don't know that we have time for another question. Do me a favor, friends. Tell people about Truth and Liberty. Spread the word. They can watch this at truthandliberty.net. Be with us. Uh, we're going to do it again tomorrow, good Lord willing. But uh, if you've never trusted Christ, by all means, do that today. If Amen. you want to make sure that you're born again, remember, Jesus is as close by as a prayer. 
And we also have people standing by at our phone center, 719-635-1111. That's open 24-7. And you can call and receive product, receive prayer, receive salvation, anything that we can help you with. We've got hundreds of people over there receiving calls. So thank you for joining us. We're doing this again tomorrow at 3.30 Mountain Time. Plan to be with us then. It's going to be a great time. God bless you. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.